Welcome to our brand new show It's not that complicated so listen close We'll go through IMDB Reviewing all of Tom Hanks movies Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hanks Bank Jamie, as we're uh, a Tom Hanks podcast... <laughs> sorry, sorry, we're a what podcast? A Tom Hanks podcast. <laughs> sorry, I, I don't like to interrupt you. <laughs> very serious question to ask you. Yeah? If you could remove Tom Hanks from one film and you think that would make it better, uh, what movie would you get rid of Tom Hanks from? What movie would I get rid of Tom Hanks from and do I think it would make it better? That's a tough question. Um, I like how, uh, just while I'm thinking, uh, very regularly the, the, the bit yeah. that you start with uh-huh. is uh, putting the pressure on me yeah. to come up with something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's asking me a question. It's putting me in a corner. Uh, and don't put baby in a corner. <laughs> um, I'm going to remove uh, Tom Hanks from... Wait, key question. Yeah. Am I replacing him with another actor or am I just removing him from the screen and everything else happens exactly as done before? Your choice. Okay. I'm going to go with removing uh, Tom Hanks from Big. (laughs) (laughs) Because then it becomes a delusional fever dream of this woman uh, that I think would be very entertaining. Do you have an answer to the question? Um, I genuinely think if you got rid of him from Radio Fly, Radio Fly would be better if it's just like a linear, a more linear story. I mean, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. Uh, however, I don't think many of our listeners have listened to that episode. So. <laughs> you should go back and listen to it. We gave a pretty, pretty, pretty comprehensive view. review of a film that Tom Hanks is barely in. Uh, anyway, hello and welcome to Hanks Bank, the show where we chronologically review Tom Hanks' entire IMDb. I'm Jamie Loxon and with me, as always, is my co-host Al Gillespie. Say hello, Al. Welcome in. Um, not to peel back the curtain, uh, Al. Yeah. Uh, but this is... Uh, next week, we have we have another mini-sode. Yep. Um, but uh, this is actually the last uh, episode we're recording before oh. you go off to Canada. Uh, so this is actually the last time I will say... With me as always, and it be <laughs> correct. Um, because next week, uh, get ready for it, not to uh, throw in the plugs too early. We've got a very special episode uh, where we're reviewing uh, Sleepless in Seattle, the musical. But uh, as that was on a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, we had to record that episode then. So this is, in fact, uh, our last episode that we're recording together. Uh, but so it is the last opportunity I do get to ask you uh, what do you reckon you're going to be doing? You're traveling across Canada. Uh, this is releasing on the 25th of February. Uh, I'm reliably informed that that is Shrove Tuesday, so I know what I'll be doing. What yeah, will you be doing? I'm going to be in Arizona. You know what I'm going to be doing? Jamie, eat him some goddamn pancakes. That's right. Do I've they got have a... pancake day in America? They have Mardi Gras, but I can celebrate pancake day if I want to celebrate <laughs> pancake day. All right, I'm not going to American Canada just to lose my cultural heritage of eating pancakes to excess. Yeah, but they're going to be American pancakes, and American pancakes are objectively worse. Uh, I disagree. I think they're different things. And... I mean, they the, the I would, things can be different the and apples, worse. The apples to oranges. Okay? No, apples no, to oranges. Things, like, I can compare like a steak to Marmite. They're both still food. Like They're even more disparate things than pancakes and crepes. I but it. I can still say that I think I a steak it. is better than Marmite. And I think that a flat crepe style pancake, a little bit of lemon, a little bit of sugar, way better 
than a stupid, fat, fluffy pancake. Well, I guess it's basically a waffle. Someone's a bougie shit. Uh, <laughs> what do we do here, Jamie? Look, I, uh, what do we do here? We uh, review Tom Hanks' uh, IMDb chronologically. Normally, what we're doing right now, uh, as uh, you are travelling across Canada, is reviewing a bunch of other Tom Hanks-based stuff that we're just kind of coming up with. And sometimes, the stuff we do want to review uh, kind of just isn't available on the internet anywhere, so we have to panic oh, and come yeah. up with something else. So we're reviewing Tom Hanks' uh, award acceptance speeches. He has won many of them over the years. Uh, we are going to be reviewing uh, just the major ones. You know, I, I couldn't be bothered to go and uh, see all the other tiny reward uh, awards that he's won. Yeah. Uh, so we're looking at Golden Globes and Oscars. Mm-hmm. Uh, he won the Golden Globe for Big in 1989. He won the Golden Globe and the Oscar for uh, Philadelphia in 1994. He of won course. the Golden Globe and the Oscar for Forrest Gump mm-hmm. uh, in 1995. Uh, and then he won the Golden Globe uh, in 2001 for Castaway. However, that acceptance speech can't be find on, found online anywhere. So we're replacing that because it's from around the same time uh, his, with his AFI, uh, the American Film Institute, Lifetime Achievement Award, which happened in uh, 2002. So that's what we're going to be doing today. Uh, do you want to plough right into it? Do you want any other fun stories? My, my finger's still been stabbed, but it's, kinda, it's mostly better, so that's good. That's good. That's good. I've got most of the feeling back. That's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if anything funny happened to me. No. Well, no. considering as we've uh, we've sort of peeled peel back the curtain last yeah. week, we are recording uh, these last three episodes back to back to back. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, nothing has happened. We Literally we, in between, yeah. yeah. We, we went to Lou. That was about it. Well, we didn't go together. I went individually. I don't think you actually went unless you did it while you were sat in that chair. Um, you, you sent off some work emails. I followed you, Jamie. <laughs> um, I think I may have also peeled back the curtain a little bit too much because I think next week uh, in our yeah, last episode we pretend that it was the last episode we were recording so look forward to the fake emotions oh. of us going oh I'm going to miss it. oh it's our last episode but actually it's not even close to our last episode anyway let's dive straight into it we're going back to young Hank's baby he's what uh, it's third, 30 years ago so he was 33 yeah. he was 33 he was, he was just making it big as an big hey, as an actor. Wait, wait, wait! I'm not sure he's 33. If he's 1989, because if, if that's 89 for Philadelphia. Eight, eight, no, 89. Big, my guy. Big, 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 big. big, big. big. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. He wins the Golden Globe first for big, uh, obviously in the comedy category. Mm-hmm. Um, where he's got up against some pretty uh, hot competition. He's against Michael Caine in Dirty Rotten Scandals, John Cleese in uh, Fish. Uh, called Wanda, uh, Robert De Niro in uh, A Midnight Run, and Bob Hoskins in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So he's, he's, he's easily the youngest and least established of those actors. Sure. Um, and he's, he's, he's doing well for himself. He's also clearly a bit of a young, a, a young Hanks when accepting the award. I don't think yes. he quite knows, knows what do. to do quite yet. Yeah, it, it doesn't feel very polished. In a good way, in yeah. a, in a, I find it preferable to some of his later speeches. Um, yes. But yeah, uh, it's fun. And also because he's doing, a, whereas a lot of the other ones, uh, they're quite serious things, because it's for a comedy, he uh, he's, he allows himself to have a little bit of levity. Yeah. He's clearly a bit anxious up there. He gets worried that he's got his fly undone or something. Um, the one thing I would like to uh, hone in on is uh, he shouts out many people, uh, including the kid, Mm-hmm. Uh, and I believe famously Big is is Big the one where he got the kid no, kicked off Sleeps in Seattle oh that Sleeps in Seattle damn it I was I was ready to call him out for getting the kid kicked off and then and then shouting out the other kid being like this kid was amazing we like this kid um, also it's it's very funny to me when he's like he, I guess he he is very much an adult at 33 mm-hmm. but like 
in that room, yeah. he's a very young actor. Oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. by actor standards, he's a very young actor winning a, winning an award, and he does a few jokes about like, aren't kids normally terrible? And I bet most of the other people in the room are like. Yeah, you, my guy, like, you are the terrible one. You are a, a young whippersnapper beating out our Hollywood royalty and Michael Clay. Um, respected Michael Clay. <laughs> Um, but yeah, anything else you want to say about this uh, this speech? It's, yeah, it's, it's a much more loose, nervous speech than his other ones. Yeah, I think this is fine. I think the main, the one I'm most interested in is, is the, the following two speeches, which are the speeches in, uh, for Philadelphia. Philadelphia. He wins the Academy Award and the Golden, Golden Globe. Globe. We'll go through these chronologically, so he get, sure. technically gets the Golden Globe first. Yes. Um, he was actually also nominated in the Golden Globes in the music and comedy um, for Sleeps in Seattle. Oh, uh, so he, he actually had two acting nominations at this one award, which is incredible. Um, in this, he was going up against uh, Daniel Day-Lewis in Name of the Father, Harrison Ford in The Fugitive, ha- Anthony Hopkins in Remains of the Day, and Liam Neeson in Schindler's List. Again, like ridiculous list sure. of actors he's going up against. What's the crossover between that and the Oscars? So in the Oscars, uh, in the Oscars you replace Harrison Ford with Lawrence Fishburne sure. in What's Love Got to Do With It? But in the Oscars, it's still DDL, it's still Anthony Hopkins, it's still Liam Neeson. That makes sense. I think for me, these two work best in comparison which is kind of weird his Oscar speech for this has been criticised uh, in later years because it's fairly apolitical it doesn't mention the word AIDS I nope. think uh, I don't believe it does he mentions the virus but I don't yeah. think he says the word AIDS no he doesn't and he meant yeah he, he specifically mentions like being a heterosexual man and he, he talks about he, he, mentions, uh, gay, he, yeah, he, he mentions, mentions gay, gay people men. but he doesn't mention AIDS, AIDS specifically that's fair and which is weird because I watched the first one thinking it's the Oscars and actually the first one is quite political he calls yes. it a holocaust he talks a lot about the virus I, I think the first one is in that sense in terms of like hey we're just people making a movie real people are dying of AIDS and this is bad I think it's a much more powerful speech because he talks about these people worked on the movie and they died of AIDS yes they, they and there's, there's, which I didn't realise uh, when we watched uh, Philadelphia God knows how long ago now mm. um, there's a scene early on in the hospital and one of the uh, characters slash actors in that um, who is suffering from AIDS is an actual person suffering from AIDS mm. he's, he's not got any makeup on they got an actual person suffering from AIDS and, and, and used them in the film uh, and he says that that person uh, had subsequently died between the making sure. of the film and uh, and this award ceremony yeah and in the scene where they have the party in his house uh, one of the band members there uh, who was very famous at the time also died um, I think that first Golden Globe speech does a pretty good job of being like hey here's describing the problem like, it is a massive problem, it's ongoing, and it's affecting us every day. The second one, the, gold, the Oscar speech, is a lot more flowery in its language. He talks a lot about, you know, the, the, the streets of heaven are filled with uh, too many angels. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then people are, uh, that many of these angels are now in heaven, and they've been healed, and their skin is cleared, uh, etc. It's, yeah. it's very emotional, but it's very, as you say, not very political. For what is... You've won this Oscar for, for it being a political film, yeah. really. Like, like, uh, it, not not that I'm saying a he shouldn't receive plaudits for it, and b that no. it's not a fantastic film. You can accept that often there are awards given because they are like issue films, yes, like dealing dealing with big uh, political issues. That's fair uh, enough, and that's that's the case with this. Yeah, and therefore you kind of have to accept that like you need to talk about yeah. it in much more explicit terms. And definitely in the even the way it's structured, the Golden Globe speech, he seems a lot more nervous. He kind of rambles yeah. the way through. He's got these sort of bits of speech, which I uh, maybe I guess clarify into a more cohesive speech in the Oscar speech. Where you know, he has a couple of jokes which get refined and all that kind of stuff. He talks about Tony Banderas uh, being the most attractive man in the world. 
world. Yeah, I do find it that like yeah, that he still has the same jokes in both. Yeah, and and you know that's fair enough, and they both work. But it's it's the fact that like the Oscar speech begins, whereas the Golden Globe speech begins with him talking about what is effectively a Holocaust of of uh, a specific type of people and uh, a number of people of from AIDS. The first one just begins with him thanking a bunch of people from the film. Yeah. yeah. And that's, look, like, fair enough, hey, you get your one shot, you go up there, and I'm sure they are, you're told, you want to work, you're going to piss off a lot of people if you don't thank them in your speech. Thank them in the speech first, say whatever else you have to say second. And maybe he got told that in between the two speeches, I don't know. But it's a shame that the way the speech calcified between the Golden Globes and the Oscars, the Oscars always... Uh, more watch follow it and more watch and follow it and they tend to be an indicator for one or the other that it, it became less political more flowery and less striking in its yeah. turn but um, having said that I do think the, the ending bits while they are flowery are nice and clearly spoken from the heart yes um, it's something I mentioned a, a couple episodes ago uh, um, that sort of shocked me but I guess not shocked but made sense to me but I was sort of surprised Tom Hanks is very fucking religious. Yeah. Like, really religious. In all of these speeches, there's lots of... Uh, and, and obviously, specifically with these ones where he's talking about people going to heaven uh, and things like that. Um, he is a... He's a very... I, didn't, I, I did uh, look this up. He grew up Catholic and Mormon yeah. uh, and has since converted to Greek Orthodox uh, but because Rita Wilson is uh, Greek Orthodox. Uh, and obviously, that's where he ends up uh, making big fat Greek wedding and things like that. Um, but yeah. But then when I thought about it, like, oh, no, it makes sense. Like, as I mentioned a few episodes ago, Tom Hanks is a 63-year-old man. Like... A lot of people of that generation are a lot more religious than I, the people of our generation. I also think it's largely an American thing. Yes, and a extent. lot more people in so America are religious than, th- than in the UK. I think in the UK it's like 50%, maybe even above, uh, atheist or religious agnostic. Um, and definitely in the US is something like 30%. No, 30% yeah. are non-Christian. 70% yeah. of the population are Christian. Um, so it, once you take into account like yeah, it was other just, religions, it was, it's, it's not, very Not that I am... I am personally atheist, sure. but not that I'm criticizing religion, but yeah, it yeah. was just odd to me what to, and like yeah, him yeah, being yeah. so heavy with the religious imagery, and yeah. I'm like, oh, that's not really. But I guess it like it does it make sense. Yeah, it, it makes sense for, for some of his age and uh, like of his background. From, yeah. Like it, yeah. it just completely makes sense. But it was like in all of these, he's yeah. always thanking God. He's always yeah. uh, uh, and saying God bless America and things like that, which was just interesting to me. Culturally different. Yeah. Uh, so then we move on to oh, um, oh. Can I just say, the other famous thing he doesn't speech is oh he, in the Oscar in the Oscar speech. in the Oscar speech is he talks about um, his uh, drama teacher and one of his fellow students in that class. Both of them were gay. Um, it was discussed at the time that he. Basically, so outed people his, thought he had outed, outed his, both these people. He didn't. I believe yes. he talked. Uh, yeah, I think we talked about them. this on the Philadelphia episode. Yeah. Like he spoke to them. He sub- subsequently said that he spoke to yeah. both of them beforehand. And I believe he spoke to them in between the two speeches. So which yes. is why they're not on the first. Uh, and second. so, and his teacher said, like, if I was younger and I was still working as a teacher, yeah. absolutely not. And even in this day and age, it would not be. Yeah. Or in that day and age, I guess it would not have been acceptable for me to to be outed. Sure. But uh, I'm no longer a teacher, so. Um, he was happy to be uh, yeah. to be mentioned in the speech. So we move on to Forrest Gump. Um, obviously, the first uh, Golden Globes. Uh, we have him going up uh, against Brad Pitt in Legends of the Fall, uh, Morgan Freeman in Shawshank, uh, Paul Newman in Nobody's Fool, and John Travolta in Pulp Fiction. Still a pretty good field. I would say not yeah. as good as as Harrison Ford, Anthony Hopkins, Liam Neeson. Uh, that's just a ridiculously it, it, strong it, field. It's definitely a less heavyweight year yeah. in terms of. Um, but yeah, so in, and then in the Oscars, uh, 
you replace uh, Brad Pitt with Nigel Hawthorne in Madness of King George. Um, it's interesting to note that like most of these kind of align. Yeah. Um, and more often than not, the person who wins the Golden Globe also wins, wins the Oscar. Yeah. Um, interestingly, that doesn't happen in 2001 when yes. he wins. He wins for Castaway and Russell Crowe wins for Gladiator. Um, but But that's rare. It, yeah, more yeah. often than not, Oscar wins. Sure. Uh, Oscar wins. Um, Golden Globe. I think these two are not necessarily the best speeches. No, they're not. It's it's him talking a lot about how hard we worked um, and how Robert Zemeckis is the, the hardest working director in, in Hollywood. And that's nice, but I'm cool. sure everyone here yeah. would say that. Like, um, it's it's fairly... It, it sounds... This is harsh, but it, like, it rings very much of someone who won another Oscar the year before. Yes. And, yes. Uh, actually, for, for, for something which had a lot more obvious things to say. Yes. <laughs> let's be honest here. He... Sh- he Shooted his shots. He shot a shot. Like, yeah. he went up there. He does the classic thing. And this goes through all of them. And we'll touch more on this in the next speech. But he thanks uh, his wife. Yeah. He constantly is thanking Rita Wilson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, he he loves this woman to the world. He, he typically ends it with to the being moon like, back. Fuck. Rita Wilson, man, I'm really lucky to be dating Rita Wilson. Yeah. Which, yeah fair enough. Uh, with, oh, I forgot. There's a really weird joke he makes in the first, the big one. Um, he goes... Um, uh, I married a Greek babe, so I know what it's so I know what it's like uh, to have the uh, like uh, attraction of foreigners. And then he says, "So thank you to the Hollywood Foreign Press." And I was like, "Oh, that's what you meant, Jesus fucking Christ! What did that mean, Tom?" Um, but I just find it very funny that he, at thirty-three years old in nineteen eighty-nine, says, "I married a Greek babe." Um, uh, so he. Would you agree that he seems younger than 33 in that speech? Oh, yeah, he does. He's, he seems like still like mid to late 20s. Yeah, and by the time he gets to uh, the AFI speech later, he seems older than he is. Yes. There's a weird shift. Um, but yeah, largely these two speeches are fairly just like, it was a technically demanding thing. Yes, Here's a thank we, you to every single producer we have. Yes, we worked for 47 days straight. I think it's 27 cool. days straight. 27, ooh. Which, is very, which to be fair, is a short shoot time, I think. Yeah. Um, I know, I, I, I assumed he didn't mean that that was all they did. Yeah. I assumed it meant that, like, on what at one point while they made that film, no, was it all shot I, in twenty seven days? Which is why he said, which meant that everyone's doing a lot of overtime. I think it was just like that's, a very that's, short. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it doesn't. I think it, it's interesting to me that, and I, I'm not comparing the story, but the fact that he it, like the Forrest Gump story is still about like someone with mental disabilities yeah. and like. He doesn't really talk about that at all. I, I think it, this is true of... Uh, so again, this goes back to the... The Wishmacklet thing, the... Um, uh, the uh, Tropic Thunder thing, right? Like, yes. Um, but thanks for mental disabilities, but not too disabled. Yes. And it's the classic language for years you got with something, and this is where I disliked it the most, in The Big Bang Theory, yes. where Sheldon is clearly, or feels, like a character who's written to be vaguely autistic. Yeah, or on, and, on the spectrum of Sure. And that's like... Fair enough, I guess. And that you can have autistic characters, that's fine. You should probably choose it sensitively and maybe have a consultant on set and on in the writer's room who can chat about this kind of stuff and make sure that you do these things in a way which can be funny but isn't necessarily making direct fun of a disability in a way which is unfair. Um, Forrest Gump largely feels like one of those movies where they're just like, he's special. Yeah. Right, like he's very slow, but we're not going to say he has anything like specific. He just has a really low IQ to the point that he has the mental capacity of a youngish child, and 
that's fine. It's also kind of a coward's thing. Like, yeah. it's, it's, you, you can say for us, you know, even being like Forrest Gump's low IQ, that means he may be similar to. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think people. that, yeah, the, the fact that in this speech, he doesn't say anything about that supports your point of like, they were deliberately trying to be vague. And yeah. were like, we're not, we're not making a film that's like an, uh, a political statement or, or an activist film about people with, uh, with mental disabilities. We're just making a film and that happens to be someone with a low IQ. And I, I think my issue with that is like, Forrest Gump can be slow. Like, Forrest Gump could have been slow and they could have just not mentioned his IQ stuff. Like, yeah. you could have just been like, he's slow. That's, and like, you could think, well, he probably has some blah, 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 blah. But they talk enough about some of that stuff. You know, he needs help, blah, 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 blah. He wouldn't get to school, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then they yet don't really want to go into that much more. And I, yeah. I guess a large part of it, it's a product of its time. It's a very yes. 90s film. That's yes. true of a lot of stuff in the 90s. It's not hugely surprising. It just feels weirder now, um, especially with kind of growing uh, conversations about representation in film and um, how important it is to get this kind of stuff right. Yeah. Especially when you're not casting someone of a disability in that kind of mm-hmm. But that's it. Yeah, as you say, it makes for quite boring speeches. And uh, then, as I said, we don't have the, uh, we couldn't find the Golden Globe 2001 one, but just for posterity, um, in that he beats out uh, Javier Bardem in uh, Before Night Falls, Russell Crowe, as I said, who goes on to win the Oscar in Gladiator, Michael Douglas in Wonder Boys, and Jeffrey Rush in Quills. Um, The one thing I want to say about all of these speeches is we have been robbed of, like, the fact that Tom Hanks has not now won another Oscar or another award uh, you know, in his later years, we have been robbed of what would be much more fun Tom Hanks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Having watched him in his older age and like on talk shows where he's great and like the fact that he won two Oscars, both on relatively serious, like one on a very, very serious topic yeah. and another on a relatively serious topic and both around the time when we can accept Tom Hanks was taking himself very, very seriously. Yeah. yeah. Which is fine, whatever, do that. But it means we've lost the like lovable Tom Hanks, who I know would give a fucking phenomenal yeah. acceptance speech. Uh, obviously, we are uh, recording this literally just after he won uh, his lifetime achievement in for the Golden Globes. I've not seen that speech. You have. I have. Uh, unfortunately, I've seen the full speech. I've seen clips of it and the uh, montage beforehand. He cries. It's very cute. He's yeah, like, I, that's perfect. why I imagine like because it's not for a specific thing. It's for yeah. like a lifetime. You can't really take that one uh, as. Full of levity, sure. um, as we will learn yeah. as we go on to his AFI um, I, Lifetime Achievement Just to award. say, uh, Hanks goes on to be nominated, is nominated for one uh, Academy Award for Best Actor which before is, Philadelphia, which is uh, big, and then he yeah. will later be nominated for um, Saving Private Ryan and Castaway. I believe he's also nominated for... Uh, uh, I, I thought he was also nominated for Best Supporting Actor in um, Captain Phillips. I, I'm surprised he is. He, I th- he's had a not. couple other no- either Golden Globes or Oscar nominations. I can't. Remember. And he, he I, I also thought he was nominated in his nominations haven't come out currently for um, this current uh, season for the Oscars. So we don't know if he's nominated for uh, playing Fred Rogers. In, well, uh, we, the we, people will know. Uh, by, this time. By, the, by the time this episode comes out but not at time of press um, that's, a, that's an industry term I learned the other day oh. uh, like like pressing a record oh. uh, so 
Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I'm getting pretty big time, what can I say? Um, so yeah, he wins uh, the AFI uh, Lifetime Achievement Award uh, in 2002. Um, Keely, he is the youngest ever person to win this award yeah. uh, at 46. Ooh, yeah. I mean, con- considering... So this is right around... The, it's 2002. It's right where we are essentially at in Tom Hanks' career, which yeah. is very, very convenient uh, and useful for us. Yeah. But... How much more? We've got so much more of Tom Hanks' career to do on this podcast, and they gave him a Lifetime Achievement Award in 2002. Um, but yeah, he was 46 at the time. You can see why they gave it to him. I like, sure, uh, obviously, from what we've already reviewed, like, also most of his like best, best stuff is uh, pre 2002. The next oldest is Steven Spielberg at 48, but by that point, he'd already made Jaws, he'd already made Close Encounters, he'd already made Indiana Jones. Like he, no. he'd already met. Uh, no, it's pre Schindler's List. Schindler's yeah. List is ninety. I've, I have it here. It's uh, ninety four. Yeah. Um, oh, actually, maybe it's. I think it might be just after Schindler's List. I think he's made Schindler's List as well because um, I think he got it in around ninety eight. Cool. Um, but yeah, so uh, he was forty. I think I can't remember who the next one was, but the next jump is up to like late fifties. Mm. So both of these two are like him and Spielberg yeah. are significantly the youngest. Um, it's a good speech. It, it, it's a very good speech. Uh, he is introduced by Spielberg, yeah. uh, who had won it. Oh, actually, maybe he'd won it the year before. Um, anyway, doesn't matter. Um, and Spielberg says something that I noted to you, which I find interesting. He says, America's favourite son. Now, obviously, we now know Tom Hanks as America's favourite daddy. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting that even at... I don't even know what he meant by America's favorite it's, son. It's I, a phrase. Is it a phrase? It a phrase. What does it mean? It just means like the, to refer to someone as being the, the favorite son or like uh, you know son of America or that kind of thing. It just means like favorite, you know, like offspring of America, child of America, you know, the person coming from America. Oh, it's an offshoot of America. <laughs> okay. Tom Hanks is one of the he's America's sons, yeah. favorite jism. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he gets um, introduced by uh, Spielberg and then he goes up and he gives about an eight minute speech. Um, he references a few things uh, which we have seen before he, go, he takes people through uh, says let's go to the movies and he describes various different experiences of movies which were very clearly his early experiences with yeah. movies one of which is uh, being so excited to see 2001 A Space Odyssey because you think it will change your life and we discussed that in Desert Island Discs mm-hmm. um, he shouts out a load of other movies Schindler's List yeah. Um, I think Close Encounters of the Third Kind is one of them um, a whole buttload of movies and he just talks about like how amazing movies are and how it's great to be in them Aye. and how lucky he is to be in them mm-hmm. um, I think it's a good speech I think is. the issue is with watching I think you can go back and watch most ex- uh, acceptance speeches for awards especially when it's a kind of uh, best actor best supporting actor uh, pretty well because they, 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 there's a format to it they're pretty short it tends to be fine it's not a long speech and that's all fine the issue with the longer ones is that you you really need something to talk about yeah and at 44 I don't think you can really put your entire life into perspective no as much as I'd be very keen to watch the Golden Globes one he's nominated for yesterday because I would care a lot to see what he said now at 63 more so than at 44 he, he talk, yeah. I'm sure he talks about similar it's, stuff it's really unfortunate that it happened the day before we were teaching oh, yeah. if it would even like a week uh, like a week we would have time to prepare but um it's currently not on anywhere that I can find yeah so, like, so um sorry dear listeners apologies we can, uh, but we'll save it for later yeah we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it at some other point but uh no so I I I, I think it's fair I, I think clearly he has this kind of um, when talking about his life and his career he has a kind of narrative uh arc that he he spends in too young which he starts here and then definitely carries for him through to 
later things like we, the kids are very similar speech, not speech, but talks in a similar way uh, in Desert Island Discs. And I think that's nice. And he talks about his family and his love for Yeah, he, he very clearly loves his uh, yeah. family a lot. Um, and he, again, thanks uh, Rita Wilson. I think his he refers to his big fat Greek family. I don't think my big fat Greek wedding had come out in 2002. No, I think so that's... it's funny that he uses that exact... He says, my big fat Greek family. Um, maybe, maybe he wrote that and that like that's what inspired him to make my big fat Greek 2002, wedding. 2002, it was that year. Oh, it was that year. So he was, so he was making a reference to yes. that. That makes, that makes more sense. I was very confused that by that. That definitely makes more um, sense. He then finishes the speech... Um, with something that, I mean, I personally loved. Because he goes, um, when I was trying to think of how to end it, I wanted to end it. And I was between two quotes. Uh, and they were from, that thing you do. And no one in that fucking crowd has seen that thing you do. If anyone remembers, we reviewed it. It's the thing he directed in the 90s. Yeah. That no one saw. Uh, so I'm fairly sure we were, as two of us, probably one of, like, among like 10 people that have seen this speech and understood this reference that he was making. Um, but uh, he said the two quotes were either um, damn Ziggy, how did we get here? Uh, or table 19, uh, your fries are ready. And that's how he ends it. And he ends oh. on a nice, nice, nice le- le- levity note. Um, so let's... <laughs> very Christ. cool for the end. So, uh, let's, we how long have we got? Three minutes. Three minutes. Fantastic. We've timed this out fantastically. So, of course, normally we'd give this um, three different rating categories. We're going to keep one of them, which is rating this thing out of sure. five. We're then going to come up with two new ones, and then we're going to decide whether it goes in our Hank's bank. What would you like our two... Uh, would you like to rank these from top to bottom in uh, his quality of speeches? Sure. That's an easy one to do. Uh, and then another category uh, will be... Alexander. Um, do any of this... Yeah, this... Oh, best outfit. Best outfit. Oh, best outfit. Well, I know I know what is the best outfit, but I also hate it. But, so yes. Rating all of these speeches. as We are rating Tom Hanks as an acceptance speech giver. Three... Yeah, there, I, I like the big one and I like the AFI one. And then, and then the Philadelphia one's like, they're, they're both tough. Like, I agree with you on the like sanitizing of the Oscars one. And like, they're both tough speeches to give, but I don't think he quite nails them for what the sure. gravity of what it was, was. They haven't aged hugely well. Yeah, I would, I would also give it a three. Um, ranking these from top to bottom, uh, I think... Least favourite is probably tied the two Forrest Gump ones. They're both pretty boring. Then the Oscars Philadelphia. Then uh, Golden Globes uh, Philadelphia. Then his big speech and then his AFI uh, speech. So is it favourite to least favourite or least favourite? That was my least favourite to favourite. So my favourite was the AFI uh, speech. Can I go the other way around? So can I go favourite to least favourite? Favourite, I would say, is the Golden Globes Philadelphia speech for me. Um, Then the big speech... Then it's the AFI. Then it's um, what am I missing? The two Forrest oh, Gump. Yeah. And then the Oscars for the, uh, the, the Golden Oscars Globes Oscars. Forrest Gump speech, the Oscars Philadelphia speech, and the Oscars Gump speech. <laughs> That's very specific. Very specific. I don't think he does very well at the Oscars giving a speech. I think they all. The, I, I think they 
largely boring. Fair enough. Um, and then I've forgotten already. What did you oh, say? Best outfit. Best outfit. Oh, it's um, it's the Golden Globes Forrest Gump where he wears a white tuxedo. Yeah, it's it's terrible and I hate it. And dude, you don't. No one is big enough to wear a fucking white tuxedo, but it's also great. Yeah. Um, uh, and I love it and I hate it. Uh, and then R, the general acceptance. It's Tom Hanks as an acceptance feature going in your Hanks bank. No. No, of course it's not. Um, so, well, we don't put things in our Hanks bank. We have to decide what's saving humanity this week. Now, as previously mentioned, this is now our third recording in a row, each of which we've had to come up with something that's saving humanity yeah, this yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah, tough yeah. enough when we have a normal episode and we just do one of them. So if you've got something that's going to save humanity this week, this week of the 25th of February 2020. Uh, passports. I think passports are great. I think the ability to move from one country to another is great. Passports? Yeah. I thought you said parlour sports? No. As in sports you'd play in a parlour. Oh, no. Um, uh, in in that I'm going to go for uh, inspired by that um, so you said passports are great because yes. you're did you have any more to say I did interrupt you can I change mine <laughs> yes you can as our timer goes off uh, yes you can quickly uh, change I, it I change it to Backbone the play that Jamie and I first met in oh fuck you I was going to say Parlour Song the play that we directed together you dick <laughs> I was going to do the sweet sentimental thing oh sorry. Um, so go and read back well you can't even read Backbone it's not a published play read the Backbone Reviews read the Backbone Reviews very famous uh, ongoing joke in our uh, family family that we're a family podcast family <laughs> yes uh, our podcast family and our podcast friends um, go and google the backbone reviews uh, or you can read Palm Song by Jez Butterworth uh, it's a wacky wild show great fun um, and if you would like to imagine uh, that we cast uh, the very clearly Cockney main role as an American and then try to think how the hell we got away with that is he going to be Cockney? yes I'm sorry that. have you not you read the play there are phrases where he goes oh no one's having kittens no one's calling the fuzz of course he's supposed to be Cockney. He's, very, he's, spe- he's got friends called Nobby and Rog. He's very clearly that, like an East Londoner. Isn't that... Um, it's, it's played by Toby Jones on the West End. It's supposed to be Toby like... Toby Jones Cockney? He's like, he's like, like proper London geezer. Toby Jones? <laughs> he was in the... You've seen the... the he's absolutely oh. working class Londoner. Oh. As I, the older I get, the more I realise plays I did in university. I didn't yes, yeah, no, no, no. Well. I've um, had to reread that recently, and I remember. I'm. Tra- How did we get away with an American having friends called Nobby and Rog? I didn't even. Honestly, we were in Scotland for so long. I didn't know those things were cut me. Uh, <laughs> oh God. Anyway, yes. Yeah, so of course you can follow us at Hank's Bank Pod at Jamie P Lockton at L underscore C's underscore stuff. Uh, please rate and view us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, for, tell your friends to, to steal the phones download all the podcasts and uh, to tell your friends to listen to it because we enjoy doing it it's great fun and we've got one more mini show oh I just burped on the podcast Jesus Christ oh no that's that might be the worst thing I've done yeah. on this podcast and I've here. said the word cunt twice three times <laughs> oh we're keeping a cunt count now uh, let's hope it never goes up again from me Jamie and my co-host Al that's one more ep in the bank I would like to thank all the little people starting with you Jamie Jones <laughs> Hans back.